Okay, this one is driving me crazy. <laughs> it's one of the biggest challenges I'm seeing in organizations right now. Leaders who think the more stuff, meaning projects, initiatives, tasks, whatever it is, the more that they take on or their teams take on, well, of course, the more value they're bringing to the company. Dead wrong. The exact opposite is true. We got to solve this one. Welcome in to episode number 19. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. Can you believe January is like almost over? If you're listening to this show when it was uploaded, then uh, the calendar shows the first month of 2019 is almost done. And oh my gosh, I can't believe how fast it's moving. Anyway, welcome into episode number 19 of the Decide to Lead podcast with me, Russ Hill. So glad you're here. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so every episode is just automatically downloaded to your phone or whatever device you're using to listen to this every week. This show is for those who are not yet the person they want to become and for leaders who are looking, searching for tips, hacks, ideas, anything that they could get their hands on that will help them achieve and sustain extraordinary results. And uh, so glad you're out there. This week, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind a lot in this first month of 2019. In fact, I had a couple of experiences in just the last few weeks that convinced me that not enough people are getting this message. They're not understanding what this show is about. And so I'm just going to dive right in. By the way, if you are new to this podcast, we try to keep the shows to 30 minutes or less each week. This is not one of those podcasts that goes on for an hour, hour and a half in each episode and where I sit around and just talk about what I did over the weekend. I'm busy and I don't have time um, to just sit around and listen to, to random people <laughs> talk on a podcast. So we try to get into the meat of it, whether it's just me solo or whether it's me and a few other people like last week's show um, where I had a couple of uh, senior partners from our firm on um, or some of the authors, some of the New York Times bestselling authors we brought to you in recent weeks and months so whether it's with guests or myself, I try to keep it brief and get right to the meat so you can listen to this on your way driving around town, on the way to the airport, on a plane, whatever you're doing. So this week I want to talk about two words, and the words are focus and simplify. Here is the challenge that I am seeing over and over and over again, and it's real easy to describe. Here, here's what it looks like. It is a leader, typically a leader, not all, well, it's just an individual who thinks that the more things they are working on at a given time, then the more value they're bringing either to their own career, their own livelihood, their own future, or to the organization that they work for or that they own. Whether they're an entrepreneur or a senior executive of a large corporation or um, or the leader of a team of three people inside a small company. I don't care what it is, or whether you have no direct reports and it's just you and and you're just trying to be productive and, and be successful. Whatever your situation is, I'm running into more and more people or meetings that I'm sitting in and I'm watching leaders who are not simplifying things. Great leaders are able to take the complex and make them simple. And to illustrate this point, I want to tell you a story a story from my background and um, to, to, to illustrate what's, what, what I'm trying to describe here. So when I first came to Phoenix, which is where I live now, 
the assignment I had, the job I had been given by the national broadcast company I was working for at the time was fix these radio stations. We bought a group of radio stations in the Phoenix market. We got them for a cheap price because they had terrible ratings and they were not producing the revenue that the stations were capable of. So the company, my company, the company I worked for, was able to purchase them at a discount rate. And then the whole idea, of course, like any fixer-upper, you, you, you go in and within a short period of time, typically, these companies give you whatever industry you're doing the fixer-upper in, you're given two, three years to go in and turn the whole place around. So the opportunity came my way. We were living in Utah at the time, given the assignment or the opportunity to go to Phoenix, take on this turnaround project. I thought it would be a great resume builder for me. I didn't have any experience as a leader in turning something around. I had only been experienced in growing something from good to great, but never in taking something that wasn't performing at all and turn it into something that was best of class. So we moved to Phoenix, took on the job, and within a few months, I realized something. I realized that the people who had run these radio stations before I came to town were not idiots. (laughs) And they were actually smart people and talented, and they were skilled. And so I started to examine what I had inherited from them. And they had built a team with a lot of talented people. And so I I had a team full of talented people where the former leaders from the company that owned owned the stations before, they weren't idiots. And so I thought, well, then what's the missing piece here? Why aren't these stations performing? You got talented people. You had good leaders in here before. No, no one's perfect. No leaders have all the skills, right? But, 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 but they weren't idiots. And so what was missing? Well, I became, in those first few months, I became so busy. There were so many fires to put out, so many people clamoring for my attention, so many meetings to go to, so many projects that I had to work on. And, and all of this was happening in the midst of the company expecting me to turn this thing around, go from terrible ratings to blockbuster ratings from not great revenue to the best revenue in the market. And so finally one day it hit me. And by the way, it hit me in the middle of a panic. And anyone who knows me or has worked with me or associated with me for any period of time knows that I'm not a high blood pressure guy. I do not sit around and get stressed out. And yet at this time in my career and in my life, I was, I was waking up in cold sweats. I was getting to the place, not panicked, but I was worried. I was worried about whether or not I was going to be able to accomplish the task that the company I worked for had given me. And so one day, and you know, you got a ton of people working for you, and these stations that we owned were news stations and sports stations. So they were the home of the Phoenix Suns and the Arizona Cardinals, and you had immigration uh, protests going on with hundreds of thousands of people in the streets in downtown Phoenix. At the time, we had a helicopter crash in downtown where a couple of television news choppers collided into each other. We had a serial killer on the loose. I mean, there was a ton of things going on. So tons of things happening in the sports world and the news world, and, and we had to cover all of that, and yet I had to turn these, these stations around and run a business in the middle of it. So one day, I decided I needed to talk to my boss. His name was Eric, 
And I and so I finally got up the nerve to go down to Eric's office. He worked on the first floor of our building. I worked on the second floor. I got up the nerve to go down to Eric and and ask him for some time and to say and to tell him something. <laughs> and what I told Eric was this. Eric, I am no longer I am no longer going to listen to these radio stations. I can't. So what you're going to hear over the airwaves over the next few months is probably not going to be great. And I want you to know I'm not even paying attention to it. Now, let me give you some insight. In the world of media, you do not want to be an executive, a boss, responsible for these stations, whether they're television, radio, internet, whatever. And you don't want to go into your boss and tell them, hey, by the way, I know we're broadcasting live. I'm ultimately responsible for all the content, and I'm no longer (laughs) listening to it. That's not a message you typically would want to give. And so when I delivered it to Eric, I thought, I thought he might fire me. And I was willing to take the chance. Here's why. I had decided that the people that ran those stations before me were so consumed by what was happening today that they couldn't fix what needed to be fixed by tomorrow. Another way of looking at it, and I described this to a fortune, to some senior executives at a Fortune 50, one of the 50 largest companies in the United States, last week. Because they were dealing with the exact same issue. They're not in the media business. They are in a different industry. And, and it just hit me. I thought, they're, they're living my former life. This is the analogy or the description, the metaphor, whatever you want to call it that I gave them. When you as a leader or an individual, forget about even leading a team, but in this case, I'm going to use the example of leading a team. When you are flying close to the ground, I want you to think about that you're a pilot. Okay, so you've got that little airplane, you're flying that little thing, you're behind the controls, and you're flying right near the ground. What's the advantage of that? The advantage is I can see everything in great detail down here. I can even reach outside of the plane if I want, and I can tweak that, and I can fix that, and I can adjust that. And so I'm really low to the ground. I got great visibility. Well, when a leader does that, there are lots of ways, uh, examples to how this story proves to be um, so applicable to, to, to organizations. One, you're throwing up all kinds of dust, right, as the leader being that close. We're not even gonna get into that. But when you're that low, what can you not see? You can't see the horizon. You can't see the obstacle that's about 300 yards ahead. You can't see the hilltop that your plane's about to run into. You can't see what's coming up over that hill that the people on the ground need to be concerned about. And so great leaders, in my opinion, great leaders are able to pull back on those controls inside the cockpit and get that plane up off the ground so that they can start to see the horizon. I don't need you to pull it up to 50,000 feet to where you can't see anything that's happening. You're completely out of touch with what's happening on the ground, but great leaders are able to see where we're headed, see what obstacles are coming up in a month, three months, six months down the road that we need to start thinking about as a team now 
they're able to see what's not working and what is working. There's a reason why go to the game of football. There's a reason why there's value in having the camera down on the field so you can see the action. And then that zoom out shot, that one up high, I can see the whole field. I can see different things. And so great leaders are able to manage those different angles. I can go down and see the action up close and get involved a little bit if I need to. I can zoom back. Not so much to where you're causing people to be schizophrenic because you're getting your hands into the stuff and then you're not, in, uh, you're not around at all. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is you need to be able to look at the big picture. And so what I went in and told Eric was, Eric, I'm not going to listen every day to this radio. It's not like I wasn't going to listen at all. I mean, come on. But I And I was being a little dramatic with him because I wanted him to get the point. But what I was trying to say to Eric was, Eric, you paid me, you hired me, you brought me here to fix this, not to run the company today, but to position us for tomorrow or to create what's going to drive revenue a year from now. So if we're ever going to get out of this mess we're in, then I've got to be able to look at the bigger picture and start making some strategic moves in order to position us for the future to win and dominate in the Phoenix market. I had no idea how Eric would respond. What he ultimately ended up doing, and one of the reasons he, Eric, was one of the best leaders I've ever worked for or with, was Eric said, well, yeah, Russ, of course, makes sense. Good. Go do it. What else do you got? Anything else you needed needed to talk about today? So here I was in his office thinking I might lose my job. And Eric's thinking, this is exactly what I hired you to do. Once I got his approval and I got him to buy off on that, what I decide, which didn't take much effort at all, but once I knew we were aligned, it empowered me. And so then, you know what I did? I went and got some people in those stations who I could rely on to run the day-to-day because it couldn't be a colossal mess. I needed us to still do good things and to put out a good product. And so I went and I got a few people, and I delegated, 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 delegated. Just run this. Make sure that we're and, – and, and try not to bother me too much unless the place is on fire because I've got to start planning for tomorrow. That took a little bit of time, not a lot. Um, I had a lot of urgency, got that in place, and oh my gosh, did that create so much space for me. So what I was able to do was focus and simplify, focus on the future, take a gazillion things that I had accountability for and move them off to someone else, delegate them the day-to-day, and then simplify what I was working on and what the team was working on overall. We were with a team Uh, A couple of us from our firm uh, within the last few weeks here in the first month of 2019. And the leader told us, she said, you know, this department I'm running has a budget of over $50 million. And she kept, she was a newer leader. She hasn't been in this position for a long time. She's been with the company forever, but not leading this team. So she's just getting used to her new position. And she said, we have a budget of 50 million. And she's looking at us like, can you believe this? I have $50 million. And, and then she went on to tell us, and we're not getting the important stuff done. It was like, guys, can you believe how crazy this is? $50 million. And by the way, guess what all her people think? They're short-staffed. They don't have enough resources. <laughs> and when you can go to a small business owner or even a smaller organization in that same industry, and they would say, 
What? $50 million? If I had that much cash, do you know what I could do with that budget? And yet her team is thinking, oh, we're overwhelmed. we got so many products. They can't see. They're flying. The plane is so low to the ground. All they can see is all the crud of today. And so, and they're taking on everything and they don't know how to say no. And they've got a gazillion meetings on their schedule to talk about the other meetings so they can plan the additional meetings and then maybe get the other meetings done. And they got to travel and fly across the country to get to these meetings. So people are burning up time on airplanes. And then you got conference calls in front of the meetings and everyone's so busy and slammed. And yet we're getting so little done. Another situation. I told you this has been on my mind a lot lately. Walked into a conference room, whiteboard, jam-packed with different ideas, brainstorming ideas on the whiteboard. I look at it, and I'm like, wow, that is a really good brain dump. And then I ask the leader, so what did you, what did you decide on? What, did you, what were the final outcomes of this meeting? What did you circle and decide that's what we're going to focus on? And the leader looked at me, and she said, well, well, we delegated all of this. All of it? Like you're doing all of those things. Well, yeah, we, I mean, they're all great ideas, Russ. I mean, look at it. Oh, I thought, yeah, your team is doing so much, they're getting nothing done. Great leaders don't let their team leave that room without 80%, 90% of that whiteboard erased. So great leaders are able to take the complex, make it simple. Great leaders are able to take the 90 great ideas that we really should be working on. These are all good ideas and say, team, let's do those three. We'll get to the other 87 later. They're good, but we're going to rock it. We're going to excel. We're going to crush it on these three ideas in the next 90 days. So, I just want you to think about this, just a quick podcast episode today, because this is on my mind. Obviously, I've got some passion around it. So I want you to think about you personally, right? Because there's lots of personal application to this. What are you removing? What are you removing from what you're trying to do so you can focus on just a few things? I can't remember what episode it was, but the one with Greg McCowan, Greg McCowan of, uh, who wrote the book uh, Essentialism. Greg really champions this. If you haven't heard that, that podcast episode, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because this is what Greg's talking about. He goes way deeper into it than I am right now. And I, and I, I don't, you know what? I don't adopt everything Greg's suggesting. I, he, he's kind of like way, I think he's kind of on the extreme level of narrowing things down and simplifying them to almost like nothing. And, and Greg's making a lot of money and doing very well. By the way, it's episode number 16 with, uh, with Greg on essentialism. If you haven't listened to it yet, go download that one. But um, so Greg was trying to get to that point of just get it down to its bare essentials, simplify to what you individually really need to focus on. What are you trying to get done in the first quarter, the first 90 days? I mean, one month's almost completely gone when I'm recording this. And so... You, you only got 60 days or less left in the first quarter to accomplish what you want to do in, in Q1. And so are there two or three things that you really want to accomplish 
make progress on in Q1? Well, what are they? And then take all the rest of the list and table it. We'll get to it later. And then as far as a company, how many projects are you all working on? What can you remove from the team right now so that you're not doing 70% of a good job? You're doing 100% or 95% on the few projects you're doing. You, you, you tracking with me? So instead of doing a bunch of different things and you're not excelling at any of them as a team or an organization, do fewer things and do them better. Do them, do them exceptionally well. That's what Focus and Simplify is all about. Leaders, you got to take the complex and make it simple. You get got to be able to take all the great ideas and narrow it down. We pay leaders to make decisions, to say no, to prioritize, and then to get their teams aligned around those priorities. So just a few of my thoughts here um as uh as we're rolling along in the month of january oh by the way i should tell you the end of that story right (laughs) the one with the radio stations in phoenix here's how it ended up so as i told you eric agreed he said russ go focus on what you need to and i went on a search for talent started building the team i started plotting out my mind what did what did these stations need to sound like what did they need to do did, got some focus groups, some research, market research done, was able to look at the big picture, and then strategic, strategically started piecing together one of the priorities at a time or chipping away at one priority at a time. And we ended up building um, – a lot happened, actually, we uh, with the sports and news brands um, that, that we were running in Phoenix. They ended up being incredibly successful, absolutely dominating the uh, the market competition um, and and we were we were like a, a nobody um, in ratings when we when we started, um, and then where we where we were able to get was uh, was just to dominate the competition. And I'm I'm extremely proud of the team that we put together and the team that worked incredible things and and achieved a remarkable turnaround. And how long did it take us? It took us three years exactly how long we thought it would be. I mean, the, the momentum started within a year. And then in that, that, that second year, man, we really started gaining. And by year three, we were just, we were jamming. We were, we were absolutely crushing it. And, uh, and then once, once we got those properties to the place where we needed them and, and we were, we were really doing well in the market from a ratings and revenue standpoint, at that point I left. We, I had come to, I had done what I came to Phoenix to do, and I left, uh, I left uh, the broadcast media world after 16 years of working in it, and absolutely loved every day of it, and haven't missed it one day since, um, which is crazy since I thought that's what I'd be doing my whole life. But anyway, that that turned out extremely well because, and I credit um, the team's ability to focus and simplify. We had a ton of things to get done, a mountain to climb. And yet we just took it one step at a time and focused on what's the hill we have to conquer today. We'll conquer that. Or what do we have to conquer this quarter or this half a year, six months? We conquered it. And then we were on to the next one. We developed a strategy and a plan to conquer that one. We got put our flag in it. And then we moved to the next one. Focus and simplify. It's, I'm absolutely convinced I could tell you a ton more stories, but we're out of time, about where that has transformed teams and really helped leaders get movement in the right direction. 
All right, that wraps up episode number 19. Thank you to all those who are connecting with me on social media. If you haven't done so yet, just go to russhill.com slash 019 for episode 19. You'll have links there to um, all my social media channels. I'm putting out a ton more content on Instagram these days. I'd love to get your feedback on it. What are you thinking about it? I'm planning to do this for a solid three months and see where it gets me and what it does. And, uh, and you really get day by day... Uh, I call it Insta Learnings. So wh- who was I with today? What, what organization? Where were we in the world? And what did we learn? What were we trying to accomplish? And so I hope that you, if, you're, if you're subscribed to that, you're getting a lot or following me on Instagram. Hope you're getting a ton of value out of it. We've got plans to, um, to up our game on LinkedIn, YouTube, and a couple of other places um, in, in the very near future as well, which I'm super excited about. And then I've got a big announcement. Um, regarding a project I've been working on for over a year that I'm super excited to be bringing to you, that announcement in the coming weeks. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a big deal. And so anyway, thanks for connecting with me. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to chatting with you next week. If you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button. You'll get the next week's show automatically. Talk to you soon. This is the Decide to Leave podcast.